Let's fly together, fly together, fly together You can be my love, sweet love No, your pretty feathers, it don't matter the weather Just you and me together, we'll fly, 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 fly forever Let's fly together, fly together, fly together You can be my love, sweet love No, your pretty feathers, it don't matter the weather Just you and me together, we'll fly All right, welcome everyone, ladies and gentlemen, to a, another and special episode of the Swim Bros podcast. I am your host here, Grant House, the youngest of the Swim Bros, uh, solo on this venture as well, but joined with one of the best and most up-and-coming coaches, I would say, <laughs> in the sport of swimming, especially in the U- USA, um, but he's international known, the Purple Dolphins, Pink Dolphins, my bad, I misspoke. Pink Dolphins on uh, Australia and has uh, taken his talents to Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome onto the show Matt Martinez. Matt, thank you for coming. Yeah, you got it, buddy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, there's a there's a lot of things that Matt can share, and I'm I'm really excited to dive in. Um, and and so Matt, like, like give give the listeners a little bit of uh, the 411 on on who Maddie Martinez is, uh, kind of background where he came from. Just uh, let the let the people know who you are. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man, and thanks again for having me. Like this is this is awesome. Um, so, because I, I tend to talk too much, um, but kind of the Spark Notes version of my journey. So I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and was, you know, grew up swimming summer league. It's huge there in the Contra Costa County. Shout out uh, Round Hill Country Club, the Heat, uh, not the Miami Heat, but uh, yeah, shout shout out Round Hill Country Club, um, but. Yeah, I grew up swimming uh, summer league in the Bay Area and going to, like, I grew up watching Natalie Coughlin, Tony Irvin, watching the Cal Bears swim, watching, um, you know, Stanford swimming. It was, it was amazing growing up in the Bay Area and being part of that swimming atmosphere, that swimming culture. It was, it was just a blast. So I had a heavy influence, looked up to a lot of people over there and ended up going to Arizona State. So this is the only time you'll see me do this. Forks up for the devils. Um, but yeah, gotta, I got to love it because I have a degree on my wall from them. So um, unfortunately uh, for, for you, Grant, um, uh, spent time at other Pac-12 teams that I'll get to in a second, but all good, man. Um, so after I was done at Arizona State, now I didn't swim, but I was a manager of the team for a year. And then I was a club water polo player for a year there and really enjoyed that, loved everything that ASU has to offer. Um, let your imagination fly with that and moving on um coached at brophy college prep for two years um that well known is kind of the as i'll tell people that don't know about brophy um kind of the the bulls or carmel high school of arizona so when i was there we won our um, 25th and 26th consecutive state championships and um the machine just kept rolling. So that was not because I was in there making them swim fast. Like th- that just is a, is a prime high school swim program. Um, helped or, you know, use that job. I mean, I was very thankful for the opportunity there, but uh, was able to connect with Kevin Zacker, who was at Scottsdale Aquatic Club. Coached at SAC with a, a young freshman, Ryan Hoffer, for one season. I wasn't Hoff's primary coach. I can't, can't, can't take credit for that, but um Built good relationships, knew Hoff from that point. Um, Taylor Ruck was there, uh, actually in the group that I was working with then, so that was a lot of fun. And uh, then I graduated from ASU. So moved back to the Bay Area for about nine months and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So ended up getting the opportunity to be a grad assistant at St. Louis University. 
So had my master's from there and coached there for two years. That was the first time I got into college coaching and, and loved it. I mean, that was one of those things. Actually, Kevin Zacker was the first person to give me that advice, I guess. And I had lunch with him and I, he said, where do you want your career to go? And I said, I like club. I like college. I kind of want to get into college. And he said, Matt, like, you're at this age. I think I was 23, 24. And he said, you got to do college now. Like if you ever want to do it, get into it now. Um, because if you get too old, you get into club coaching. It's just very, very challenging to only be a club coach and go directly into the NCAA. Um, that's not always true, but at that point, pretty standard. So was able to coach a slew for a couple of years. Um, we had a great time. I love those guys and those ladies there. That was a fun time. And then got a uh, linked up with my man, Aaron Bell at Notre Dame. Uh, worked on a great staff over there for a year. Uh, coached a lot of really fun kids. There's a volunteer there. Uh, young coaches, word of advice, grind. In your early career, just grind. I lived in a, a bedroom that was no bigger than a prison cell. Uh, I, actually, that might be a, a poor statement to prison cells. It was a tiny, tiny room with no door. I didn't have a door for like nine months, eight months. Uh, fortunately, was able to get a paid job after that. And was I, I was a full-time assistant and recruiting coordinator at Binghamton University in upstate New York. Um, it was a fun year. Uh, it was a challenge, like just learning how New York is. And I really enjoyed it. I actually liked being out there. Um, but towards the end of the time, the head coach left, which when a new head coach comes in, they generally want to bring their own people in. So started looking for other jobs and I actually got the opportunity with uh, a guy by the name of Tim Lane, who I think he might be Cam McAvoy's coach right now. I'd have to check with Tim, but Tim's a genius. I love Tim. Although fun fact, I've never actually met Tim in person. He got me a job coaching in Sydney, Australia. And right before I went to go down there, he took a job up in Brisbane and this was in Sydney in New South Wales. So was ended up, Working out all right, I went out there anyway and linked up with a guy by the name of Cameron Gledhill, who is uh, the head coach of Waringa Aquatic Club, where, um, Grant, I think you have a cap from them? Yeah, I most certainly do. I most certainly do the Pink Dolphins. Yeah, the Pink, yeah. The, well, actually, I think it's the Piranhas. Is it? I, I'd have to find my, yeah, I have a cap. And, it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fish. It's an epic cap. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's well, it's bright pink, so I'd always tell the kids, this is really, really easy for me to spot you guys in the racing against all the navy blue and yellow and all the australian color green bright pink so yeah. it was awesome i really enjoyed that i hadn't coached young kids i was probably coaching the my main group were the like 13 and unders and that was a blast love working with them i love the families it was out there for about six months or so until march of 2020 and um you you may have heard of uh covid yeah, 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 yeah. So, vaguely, just yeah. So that happened. So I tell everybody as a joke that I got deported, but I really just had to leave the country because everything got shut down. So, yeah. um, ended up moving for about five months and moved to the island of Kauai, which uh, wasn't the worst. I, I do understand that sounds very privileged and very lucky, but um, my parents live there, so it was great for me to be able to relocate there for a few months and just figure out life while the rest of the world was. Um, was going through it. And, uh, and again, I'm very aware of how lucky I was with that. So, um, you know, thoughts and prayers to anybody who uh, had a worse time. But 
and end up getting up the off the island and moving back to the Bay Area. Um, actually worked for State Farm for about four months, selling insurance, working remote. I thought I could get into selling insurance. Uh, I feel like I'm pretty personable, but um, I'd rather sell the swim team I'm coaching for, recruiting, rather than sell insurance. And I, I really had no idea how to do that. I was kind of winging it. I was getting a lot of help from the people I was working with there, but it just was not my calling as I feel like swim coaching is my calling. And you know, one thing led to another. I built good relationships with certain people and uh, I, I owe it all, uh, end up coaching with the Cal Bears and, and owe that all to Chase Kreitler. Like I would not be, really I wouldn't be where I am today without Chase, who's now the head coach at Pitt. And I love Chase, he's done a lot for me. And I had a Zoom with him to kind of interview while I was in Hawaii. And actually uh, the volunteer that got the job ahead of me, or I guess was first in line, was uh, Roman Willits, who is now follow Chase to Pitt. Hey. So yeah, yeah. So congrats on that job. I, I texted you, Roman, as well. But uh, but yeah, congrats, congrats to you, Roman. Uh, really shout out for, to Roman. Yeah, no, always, man. Love my love my bear uh, volunteer assistant alumni. So him and uh, Kevin Rapine at SC as well. So was with the uh, the guys with Cal for a year. Uh, really fortunate to um, win the Pac-12 title, win NCAA's there. That was the experience of a lifetime. I learned a lot from. Chase from Dave Durden, David Mark, um, just everybody out there. I think Grant, that's when you and I first met in person. I think yeah. I'd known who you were, but um, yeah, I, I think I just approached you at Pac-12 and I said, hey, like coming from, I wasn't an ASU swimming alum. I can't claim that, um, but I was with the program as a manager. And so, and I, I'm an alum of the school and I just wanted to sh tell you how much I appreciated what you and your teammates were doing. Um, just great things for that university. It, it was, there were some dark days in the, the history of that program. And it's just, it's wild. Like my parents still hit me up and say, my dad will say, can you believe how good Arizona state is? And I'm like, yeah, I've been saying it for years. They, their ceiling is high. So I, I'm just really proud of you guys. And I'm glad that you're competing for national titles now. Um, and yeah, I'll keep it positive I'm competing for national titles. There we go. So, yeah. So and then uh, now I'm in Wisconsin. I, again, like, oh, it, I, I wouldn't be here without Chase, but a lot of people helped me out. I mean, my, my mentors, uh, David Marsh, Dave Durden, um, but I, you know, I owe it to, I mean, Ryan Murphy, he was huge in um, giving me advice on who to link up with. And um, Wisconsin was the only interview that I took. That was the only place I wanted to be. I, I really like Yuri. Uh, just Yuri's the man. Like, I, I, wish, I wish more people knew, and in my opinion, and he shouldn't be underrated, but I think Yuri's the most underrated coach in the world. Like, the guy is not a self-promoter. He's as humble as they get. Uh, but I'm, I'm more than happy to promote Yuri to the rest of the world. Like, Yuri is the man. I, I love working with him. I love working with Christy King, Jenna Haney. Congrats, Jenna. Just got married. Um, hey. And then, um, unfortunately, uh, our guy, Trevor Maida, who's now at Louisville, um, but I love Trevor. Again, wouldn't be here without him. And, uh, and then shout out to uh, Callie Bedron, who is our new assistant, uh, came over from Michigan, and that was announced yesterday, I think. Um, so, and then uh, Yahia Radman, our dive coach. I, I just love our staff, man. It's probably the most fun staff of a combined program I've ever been on. Wow. Wow. That was, thank you for that elegant journey. That was, yeah, that was just beautiful. all over, um, all over, man. It. I'm love that you just you just took the mic, the bull by the horns, and just <laughs> just sailed into the sunset there. That was it's awesome. A, it's um, a long journey, man, but I'm I'm happy to be where I am now. 
Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. I think the the platform I want to jump off from, Matt, is really that that moment that I knew of your existence was at Pac-12s. And mm-hmm. um, folks, I can't say enough good things about Matt Martinez uh, to begin with. But but to start off on that foot, to just be in a cutthroat battle, um, I think at that that meet was actually when Matt interrupted. I didn't know you could actually have this happen, but Matt interrupted a swim meet event taking place. <laughs> And so all I know is this guy exists. I just see like a figment of, of my imagination of what I, what I can recall at this point. And I think it's, I, I vividly remember it was before the 400 freestyle, you came up I was in the warm down pool. I think Herbie had just kind of walked away. I was just like taking a moment by myself and you were coming by and you're just like, Hey, I think it almost passed and then came back a little bit. So you'd like decided in my mind, you like redecided to engage with the conversation when you could have just kept walking. And uh, just, hey, I know you are. I'm a Sun Devil uh, alum and really respect what you guys are doing, really respect what you've done. And to me, I was like, bromance, friendship started for life. <laughs> I was like, that seals the deal for me. Um, and just uh, as, as you said earlier, I, I definitely think you're a very personable guy as well. And I respond well with that too. I'm, I'm a social butterfly as I got in trouble for grade school quite often. For <laughs> um, Same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I really respected that, especially in the heat of the situation, like just to take that breath and just to like, hey, it's just it's just a swim meet at the end of the day. Um, but you were coach for Cal. I was one of the like leading swimmers on ASU. Um, and we were really like that was the first time that we could actually contend with Cal um, and then all my all my years there. Um, that was the first year we had Leon. And I think for the first like two or two and a half days, we were in the lead. And then in classic Cal fashion, just came rolling on the last day and a half, especially day four, um, which Bob always talks about being a day four swimmer. And yeah. everyone on the team starting that year was now a day four swimmer. And then they had to learn how to be and compete all four days in all seven sessions. So massive amounts of respect. That's a, a big reason why Matt and I are here today um, and have yeah. formed that connection. But there's a, there's a lot of tidbits I kind of want to unpack. Um, I'm from then, uh, and it might not be in the exact linear fashion, but, um, I'll get first, first thoughts, what are your thoughts on South Bend, Indiana? <laughs> uh, Notre Dame is so, so Madison is my favorite college town, Good but plug. Notre, Notre, yeah. Come to Madison recruits. Shameless. Shameless. <laughs> um, but Notre Dame is probably the most beautiful campus I've ever seen. Absolutely beautiful. Now I've been, I've heard Chapel Hill's amazing. I've heard Charlottesville's amazing. I've heard Durham is, is nice, but yeah, South Bend is, or it, sorry, Notre Dame is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and in keeping with the positivity, um, everything I just said about Notre Dame, um, I do not share that opinion about South Bend and they're very proud South Bend people there. They work their butts off. It's a hardworking Midwest city. Shout out to the Midwest for you, Grant. Um, but it was not my favorite place to live. Let's just say that uh, Kauai, Freshwater, New South Wales, and uh, Walnut Creek, California, and Madison, Wisconsin, and Berkeley are, are up there. And then uh, South Bend is off frame. Deep. Deep, yeah, deep yeah. on the roster. But again, like I, I understand why people want to go there. The mystique, I mean, my my parents visited, and my dad grew up 
very Catholic, um, very like love Notre Dame. I mean, what what between fifty five and seventy five year old guy didn't love Notre Dame? And the only reason you didn't love Notre Dame is because your team was getting beat by Notre Dame. And we're from the Bay Area. We love Joe Montana. Um, so my dad, my dad, like shed tears. Like I've never seen him shed tears before because he sees uh, touchdown Jesus. He sees um, the Golden Dome. It 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 was an amazing place to be. And I'm really happy that that program is is back in the top 25. I know I don't know Chris very well, but I know they're doing a great job over there. So um, it's nice to see them competing and doing a really good job. Yeah, on the up and up, my uh, my water polo coach in high school. Fun fact: I actually got recruited by Cal to play play water polo. And did, did Kirk talk to you? They, yes, they said my man <laughs> to play water polo and swim. I don't know if that was the if that was ever actually in the cards. That, but that they happens. Me, they had me on the line for sure. That but, happens. Um, my uh, water polo coach in high school, um, Mike Roberts. He was a huge Notre Dame fan. I think alumni as well mm-hmm. too. Um, so to like kind of follow them along, um, since high school, you know, I, I got some emails and recruiting from them and I was never really interested being an Indiana guy, uh, for 15, the first 15 years of my life, Southeastern Indiana, mm-hmm. not a uh, Northwestern, North, yeah, um, really. yeah. um, almost like exact opposites of, of the state, but it's, it's 20, it's 20 miles East of the central time zone, which is tough. Interesting. There's your yeah. fun fact of the day. Yeah. But yeah, I know they got Chris Lindor. Trevor Carroll there to uh, U of L um, uh, mm-hmm. alumni or former and in, involved people. Um, and I don't, I feel like I just saw someone else that I recognize there at worlds, but it's really cool to see the program on the up and up bottom line. Um, yeah. South Bend, not exactly the most happening place, but Notre Dame is the Mecca of South Bend. Yeah, um, it's, it's beautiful. And then you kind of mentioned it with Kauai uh, and then also New South Wales. I'm very familiar with New South Wales. I actually yeah. just had a memory pop up on my iPhone today uh, from where I looked out uh, starting and having breakfast on the day of just morning, just on the bay. Be- oh, my gosh. It's absurd. You're bringing back memories, man. I love it. So it's the best. If you if you could have your choice to be stuck in one of those spots willingly, which would you would, – uh, by your like, – no family connection – by yourself not like there would be other people there civilization is still operating where would you want to go of any any of the places i've ever lived or south bend or or new south wales no no new south wales or Kauai. oh uh oh uh fresh freshy freshwater for sure um i I love Kauai. it's where i mean i I told you before uh we started recording that uh my fiance and i probably an hour ago, set our wedding date, August 10th, 2024. Yay. Shout out Sarah Tomas, my lovely fiance. Um, but I, I, we love Kauai. It's a very special place. My parents live there. Um, but it's, it's not a super happening spot. It's very quiet, very sleepy place. Um, very relaxing, the most relaxing place I've ever been. Uh, we just got back. We spent a week there. Uh, we got back a few days ago, but yeah, like without question, 11 times out of 10, freshwater New South Wales. It's, it's the best culture I've ever seen. It's the best swim culture I've ever seen. It's, um, although I, I say good culture and a very positive culture, um, if you have ever seen the show Big Little Lies on HBO with uh, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, et cetera, they play these uh, very wealthy, uh, 
like South Bay, like San Francisco South Bay moms and all the drama that goes on there. It's a very good show. Uh, watch on HBO if, if you were um, above age because it's got some intense content. But um, it's actually, the, it was based on a book that was written by a, a woman uh, that writes about the area that I was living in, in New South Wales. So there is a lot of money there. There's a lot of uh, very successful, very financially successful people. Um, but the parents were unbelievably supportive. I'm still in contact with a lot of people over there. Um, we talk on Instagram all the time. I mean, it, a week doesn't go by that I'm not having conversations with people from, I just call it Sydney, but really New South Wales. and Or they call it the um, Sydney Northern Beaches. It, it's the best place. I love it. I would, it, it's the best place. Yeah, I can uh, 10 out of 10 confirm Yeah, you know. That. Um, yeah. it was, it was my favorite place I've ever been in the world. It was the first place in the world that I've actually visited and said, I could live here definitively. I want to yeah. go back as soon as possible. Uh, and it is just, it is just immaculate folks, uh, to, to wake up there on the couple of days that I got to, it was just breathtaking to, to say the least. And Matt yeah. is not underselling it. Um, quick lane line rating though, zero to 10, big little lies. What, what are we rating it? And no rookie scores. We can have the point, point 0.6 lane lines too. Big Little Lies. Well, it's a big, you know, I'm not spoiling anything. It's a big twist um, during the show. It's one of those twist ones. Um, as a first time watch, because I wouldn't say it's super rewatchable necessarily, but as a first time watch, um, I'd say seven. If eastbound and down is a ten lane lines out of ten, I would say the big little lies is uh, is seven point two out of ten. Okay, very good, good, very entertaining. But I I knock some points off because the rewatchability isn't as great. Whereas like I'll sit down with my fiance and we'll watch eastbound and down just because we feel like it. Yeah. I mean, how could you be upset with Kenny Powers? Any Kenny day. Powers, baby. <laughs> Any day. Um, Swim Bros podcast, just unanimously. All, even listeners, huge fans of Eastbound and Down. So, <laughs> huge fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great, great reference there. Uh, mm -hmm. And appreciate the, the honest rating as well, too. So I might have to check it out. 7.2, that's pretty admirable. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's intense, but it's good. Yeah. Um, and so you mentioned this when you were kind of going through your journey as well, that that area, Sydney and New South Wales, I would assume as well, one of the best swimming scenes you've ever yeah. been in. And so I'll kind of let you rift on that and add a second part to it um, is, you know, why is that? But also there was a, a pretty heated debate after World Aquatics Championship <laughs> this year um, yeah. of, of who won who won the meet? And I want to hear what your thoughts are on what who won the meet and if there, there was a outright winner of the meet between USA and Australia, or if there's another winner that you thought came out on top of both of them. Um, well, I'll ask you this. Is World Aquatics scored like NCAAs? No, not at all. Well, well. There you have it. It's not who has the most points. It's whoever wins the most gold medals. Who's the best team? The most. So, gold, so the most gold medals, not just the most yeah. medals, most gold medals. I mean, when you look at, I think, I think actually that there was a big controversy at the Beijing Olympics too, because I think China had like 110 total medals and the United States had only like 
100 medals, but the United States had more gold or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think that it was like, look, I'm about as biased of an American as they get. I love the United States. My dream, like my two dreams as a coach and like career goals were win an NCAA title. And I was very, very lucky to be in the right place at the right time. I do feel like I contributed to that uh, as a coach, but you know, the, the Durden Marsh machine rolls and I'm, I'm so proud to be part of that. But the other one was be on a United States national team staff. And I'm working my butt off in my career to, to hopefully um, end up on a, on an American staff. Like I, like I almost get emotional now thinking about hearing the stars and stripes and representing my country um, on that stage as a, as a coach, because there's no way as an athlete, I was ever good enough to be, to be doing that. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Like as bi as biased as for the United States as I can be, like, I at least for sure will say the Australian women definitely won that meet oh, without man. a doubt. Like, we were like if anybody argues that it's, it's like, come on, like just be real. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry. Like they won the most golds. They won the meet. Hey, you don't have to apologize here. We're just yeah. we're just here for the unadulterated truth. Mm -hmm. um, so in that in that vein, um, with Australia being the the breadwinner there and the Australian yeah. winner women especially, what what do you see in your lens being in the coaching system, age group, college, um, and you know pursuing that national team desire as well and path? What can USA Swimming do to improve and, and be better? At that is it just. Is it just going to be a, a thing where USA Swimming leans back on their heels and says, oh, it's not the Olympic year. Oh, we got another year. And it's like, well, I feel like we did that for a lot of time. And I'm, I'm not doubting anyone on Team USA because I, I hope to be teammates with them and, yeah. and, and continue to roll um, this, the legacy that is USA Swimming, arguably the most dominant sport and team of any sport in history, USA Swimming. I, well, I I'll, I'll, I'll kid on that. I'll kid on that. Arguably, and, and people will, there's a reason why there's only two individuals allowed in, in any event in our sport, in the Olympics. And it's because the USA was too dominant. I mean, shout out 1976 Olympic team. Um, although, funny story, side note on that. Um, I was lucky enough to be at the, uh, David Marsh invited me to the 2017 um, US national team slash team elite training camp in Chula Vista. And um, I was lucky enough to work with John Urbanchek and other, some other great coaches there. And it was the first time I met Irby. Irby is the man, keep him moving for life. And he walks into the dorms in Chula and he's looking around. He's like, oh, this is amazing. These rooms are great. And if you haven't been there, Grant, like they're just like nice college dorms. Yeah. Like, like I was happy to be there. I was, I was paying my own way. So it was a free dorm for me, but, um, I just turned to John and I'm like, oh, John, it's just a dorm. I mean, I'm sure they're nicer than they were at, at when you were at Michigan. And he's like, because Wisconsin has the nicest dorms in the Big Ten. Good and um, <laughs> sorry, Matt Bow. And uh, he he's like, well, Matt, let me tell you. I was at an Olympic Games one time and they had six of us men coaches in one room that looked like a, a cruise ship, like the Titanic third class passengers where it was triple bunk beds stacked and had six grown men. And it was the tiniest room you can ever imagine. And I go, well, John, what Olympics was this? This is amazing. And he goes, well, Matt, I've coached in nine Olympic games. So I don't, and I'm old, I'm an old man now. And I'm like, like, 
Yeah, when you just coach in too many Olympics and you just forget no, it, it all just no comes back together. Of swimming there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I lost count. My bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, what was the question? Chula, uh, what can what can USA swimming <laughs> what do? Can they, so anyway, so sorry for that tangent. Uh, I have many of those. Um, but uh, so I don't know if it's as much of a USA swimming thing. Um, I will say for, for the Aussies. Um, Swimming is more important to their overall society in general than swimming is to the United States. And I'm not saying the United States is, doesn't care about swimming. We're, we are historically the best swimming country. And I take a lot of pride in saying that. Like, I, I can, it can go both ways. I can say that the Aussies were the best team at, uh, at Worlds, but the United States historically is a better team. It, that's subjective. That's not a, an opinion. And, but I do think like these kids grow up, that's what you do. Like you, you can't find somebody on that continent that has not grown up doing competitive swimming at a certain level. Like everybody swims, this is what you do. And so I think, well, actually like our guy, Herbie, like I think Herbie asked me maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, and he was curious too. It's like, well, why are there, especially the women, like, why are the women so good? And one thing that I'd mentioned, and I don't have the answers to this, but I would assume one of the answers are the United States, you know, in my opinion, there is no country better than the United States as at giving opportunities for young women to play sports. We do a great job of that. Volleyball, basketball, softball, some baseball. I saw that girl in the Little League World Series is kicking butt. Um, yeah. But swimming, water polo, I mean, name a sport, like, women have the opportunity to do it at any level. It's awesome. And it's great for our society as a whole. I think in Australia, you get these girls who, and these young women who they would be playing other sports if they were growing up in the United States, they'd be volleyball players. They'd be getting, they'd be playing in the big 10, the best volleyball conference in the country. Uh, they'd be playing somewhere in the big 10. They'd be um, playing basketball. They'd be, you know, doing something. They'd go through the NCAA system. Whereas in Australia, there aren't as many opportunities in general for young people to be doing sports. They're just America. We're just sports crazy and we have everything. Um, but instead of being on the track from like a seventh grader to be like, I'm going to be a volleyball player for Wisconsin or Purdue or Michigan or Texas or whatever. Um, I'm just going to be a swimmer because my role model is um, Kaylee McCune or um Stephanie Rice, who was going around when I was when I was younger, or um, you know Libby, I was about to say Libby Lentit, Libby Trickett. These these women that are just rock stars, um, those are the role models. So in, I think it's just they. It may be a lack of opportunity. I don't know, but I feel like maybe they're just there's more concentrated talent in swimming uh, than there would be in the United States. I think that's great insight. I think that's really powerful, yeah. especially from someone who spent a, a good chunk of time. Like I'd say six months is like, and you know, in the grand scheme of things, like if you're looking at your lifetime, you live a hundred, a hundred years. And that's basically a hundred. Yeah. hundred iterations of, of one year. You, you chunk those years up by a half, six months, six months. And then you just kind of make a, a still motion, uh, still motion cinema out of that. Um, six months is adequate time to kind of understand that and then apply it into 
into what you're well, doing and how you can how we can improve. So I'm, yeah, I appreciate and, that in, input. And and you know, I think like that's more like the especially on the women's side, it makes more sense because we have more opportunities here. But I think with um, another answer, I think people don't realize is how like everybody grow up around the water there. And so if you're not swimming, a lot of these kids will play, um, do like very high level competitive surf life saving. And yeah. that's a huge sport down there. Huge sport. Like I loved it. They call them surf carnivals because all the, the pop-up tents that we have at our outdoor meets, they just have it all down the, down the beach and the parents, they're having a good time. The kids are going crazy. Like, I think that they're not afraid to work the way that a lot of American athletes are, because I think that, you know, the last 15 years, 20 years or so, like as coaches, we want to make sure we're not burning athletes out. We want to make sure that we're going more quality type of work. And I think a lot of people are getting afraid of, or, or became afraid of doing the grinded out work and the quote urban check again, like work works. And so I think that it really, they do a lot of the work and they're not afraid of the work but it's not like they're doing 10 grand every day in every pool workout. Like for example, I'm coaching, I was coaching this, uh, this girl there and she, so she had to miss a Saturday practice and we're like, Hey, what's, what's going on? What's the problem? Like why, you know, we don't miss workouts. And she's like, Oh no, like my sisters and I, um, we're doing like a 5k open water swim from like the tip of freshwater beach all the way to the end of manly beach. And it's like, well, cool. That there's your work today or that day. You don't need to be at some at pool swim practice. You're getting your work in. And so, like these surf carnivals, these kids, and they're like eight years old. So it's actually you watch the older kids, and they're like getting after it. Like they're really, really impressive. And just grinding. Like they swim 200 meters out to a barrel, and then go around it. It's like an open water race with our big inflatable buoys. They have like a barrel that's weighted there. Um, but you see like the eight year old and they get just, they get up to the waves on their boards and they just get crushed and slammed down. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty hilarious to see these like little kids and like, you see the kids like they're cry, but then they like wipe it off and they go back into it. They're, they're tough, man. They're really, really tough there. So I think they're not, they're not just bogged down with a ton of swim or sorry, pool work. And I mean, a great resource for you to hear about that is your teammate, Charlie Brown. Like I've known Charlie oh, yeah. since she was, yeah, I knew Charlie when she was, uh, I watched her do surf carnivals when she was in Australia and I was there and, um, you know, she was swimming for Manly Swim Club and um, I think Manly Surf Club as well, but sorry, Charlie, if I got that wrong. Um, but yeah, no, no, she was North Curly and I, that's my favorite team out there, North Curly uh, Surf Club. So I think that it's the kids just do more work, but they're not doing as much boring swim work. So like in one swim carnival, they could be doing like 4,000 meters of swimming and paddling on a board and, and et cetera. That's really, that's really uh, unique. And, and like our, our main man, Sir Herb third SH three. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things that he does in swimming is, is the changing the repetition, changing the repetitive, the monotonous, aspects that ultimately swimming and staring at a black line can be at times. Yeah. And, you know, like some of the, I mean, the best swimmers at Australia are doing these, uh, I don't, I don't want to butcher it. It's surf life swim. A surf life saving. Surf competitive life surf. Saving. Yeah. And they yeah. just call it competitive surf. Yeah. They'll, they'll go and do these events. Um, they'll go do like three a year 
and then they'll have like even go to a, a championship like mm-hmm. somewhere else and that's like the amount of focus and intention they put on it but yeah is it like are they leaving that session like you said that saturday yeah but like ultimately that's going to fill their cup up so much more than yeah. just giving them another super hard workout on saturday and so then they just have to recover like normal and their body's probably mostly adapted to that like you can make the workout hard but it's going to do better systemically, holistically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually to go out and do this different event under different circumstances. And I think that's really cool. Like, I mean, here we have lifeguarding, like every, that's like just <laughs> a joke job that every swimmer does during the summer. <laughs> and, and I went, when I was in Irvine shot, I got four swim or beach sessions in at Irvine in a week. That was epic. That's um, four more than me. There you no, go. Actually, no, no. I went with Christy and, uh, and Caleb, uh, one of, to Newport once. So in between juniors and, and, uh, tier. Hey, you're on the board. You're on the board. Yeah. One um, one. And I remember we went there and there was a morning, I think it was the second or first, because we went there, we got there, immediately dropped our stuff off at the hotel dinner, got in the ocean immediately. Next day, Herbie said to make our swim in the ocean, not to go to the pool into the ocean, go to, go to coach move. And mm-hmm. we got there and it literally looked like for I've only seen episode one and I don't even think I finished it, but it literally just looked like Squid Games. And there were <laughs> probably, without exaggerating, at least four hundred kids, twelve and under, just doing this like lifeguarding camp of some sort. And I asked someone, "Oh, they like, take it seriously down there, man? Yeah, 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 yeah no, Long, Long Island, um, yeah, L.A., yeah, um, Virginia, was, Virginia Beach, yeah." Yeah, huge out there. And I was like, this is so interesting. This is so unique. And this is very, in my eyes, very cool. Um, And he said it was like seven weeks, like every day during the week. And I was like, "Eh, I don't know about that cool. But like, um, (laughs) it's like, it was amazing to just see this. Like these kids all were here. All these parents wanted their kids to go do this. And I was like, wow, that's pretty impressionable on me as a 25-year-old. I've never been west of Texas until I came to ASU. so like that was pretty cool to see and from what yeah. i hear it's it's too that is like the entry level to what it's like in australia oh it's it, yeah i wish um i mean it's easy to get going doing that if the entire country lives like i think i, I don't know i don't want to butcher the stat but it's something like 98 percent of the entire population lives within 10 miles of the beach or something like that so it's it's unreal it's a great oh. culture super positive um yeah i love my time there Awesome. Uh, to wrap that up, great yeah. segue to wrap that up. Biggest lesson in or from Australia? Biggest lesson. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily from Australia, but uh, no, you know, it kind of is, especially my parents went there and they said the same thing. They took a trip there that was um, postponed because of COVID. Um, just enjoy life. Just enjoy it. I mean, I, I think, um, and that really made an impact on me, not only as a coach, but as a person of just not taking things too seriously, like knowing when to lock in on your work when it's work time, but also be able to make fun of yourself, be able to be sarcastic, be able to have fun. Um, like we'd have a hard time getting kids to go to practice on Friday nights, really usually the younger kid groups, but we'd have a hard time on those Friday afternoons because the that's like their big day of, for the parents to let loose. Like that's when they go out. And so I, I'm sitting there like, there's only 10 kids out of a 40 kid group 
here today? What's going on? And the assistant goes, oh, no, it's it's because the parents pull them out because they want to get going. Like they just hang out and go out on the town and the kids just hang out with their parents. So it's it's a great community. Everybody, I mean, you could, yeah, it's just an awesome place. I mean, everybody is seems pretty happy. Um, very, very positive culture. Very receptive to Americans. They like Americans there. Um, a lot of foreigners there, actually. A lot, not just Americans, but just a lot of people. But yeah, I'd say the biggest lesson learned is just enjoy life. It's easy to when you're living out there, but um, yeah, it's it just enjoy life. Yeah, that seemed to be the case when I was out there from every person, every location and every spot that I was on and all nine of the beaches that I drove to in 45 minutes. That was mm-hmm. that was awesome. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, just a little love fest on Australia and New South Wales there from your, your two guys here. So um, <laughs> transitioning back to the patriotism of the USA and more formally into the NCAA, um, I'll let you choose the path. One of the two paths. We're going to go on both, but you want to start with Pac-12 or Big Ten? Let's go in chronological order. Okay. Say the um, best for last, meaning my Badgers. There we go. There we go. Um, <laughs> well, I'll start with the same question then that I we had just ended on. What is your biggest lesson from your time account? Man, if, there are so many. Um <laughs> Being able to, you know, I'll say this about Durden. Um, he puts a unbelievable amount of confidence in an assistant coach. And when he first offered me the job on the phone, um, I, I didn't know what to expect. It was my first time ever speaking with him on the phone. Like Chase and I did all the background work. I went to Irvine with the guys. We joked and call it like an on-job interview. Um, apparently went well enough. And when Durden called me and, and like basically offered me the job, one thing he mentioned was, yeah, you know, like just because of the Olympic year just happened and a lot of the guys um, are fried. I mean, I don't blame, like Durden was pretty wiped out. He's a head coach of Team USA or the men of Team USA. And he was talking about kind of easing the way into the season, not frying the guys uh, the first few weeks and just making sure that it was more skill and drill oriented. But one thing he mentioned was, um, Matt, you know, don't expect to be writing too many workouts all at once, but eventually I'll get you on that. I didn't expect to write any workout at all at any point when I was at Cal. I was more than happy to just, as you saw me at the 2022 NCAAs, wiping off blocks with towels to make sure guys weren't slipping on the blocks. Like I would do anything to make sure that that program, I, I would, I would stop a meet. Some would it say. Happened. Some would uh, say. Some would say. say working in the shadows. Although, but, yeah. although I will say, interject quickly. Yeah. Possibly the greatest swimming meme ever to come out of that was <laughs> the. I don't know if you ever saw, but it was the Spider-Man meme of him pointing at himself in three different directions, and someone put Augie, Dave Durden, and Bob under each of the Spider-Men. I was like, <laughs> that that it's it's all good now. It's okay. <laughs> Well, I, I obviously, I, I know Bob, I, I don't know Augie as well, and obviously know Durden very well, and um, I'm just kidding. I'm going to no comment that one. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's it's, it's all good. But yeah, um, but I'd say that the, the, one of the most impressive things I saw from Durden was just his ability to connect with the guys. Um, I, up to that point, had never seen a coach 
connect with his athletes. I mean, he made, you know, not everybody is a Destin Lasco or Hugo Gonzalez. I mean, there are guys that don't make the scoring roster, don't make it to Pac-12s. Um, he makes every single person on that team feel incredibly valued. And I took that to the rest of my career. Everybody, it doesn't matter. I mean, here on our team, like it doesn't matter for Phoebe Bacon or somebody who's not making the scoring roster at, at Big Tens. It, everybody should be important on the team. Everybody has a role to serve. Everybody can provide value. Um, it, it Just because you're not an Olympic level swimmer does not mean that that's your value in life. And I, I did notice that I, I and this is going to come across as, I don't mean this to come across as overconfident or arrogant or anything, but it is not hard to coach extremely like, and I'm only talking about writing a workout, writing specific practices and, and what's on the paper. I don't think it's that hard to coach extremely high level talented athletes. I think when you get to that level and, and you know, this grant, like you, you swim at a national team level, you're one of the fastest swimmers in the world at your events. Um, it's not, it's harder to manage expectations, anxiety, ego, um, insecurities on people at that level than it is to just coach them. Like, I think if people are, if someone is good enough and they're focused enough, they can be a great athlete anywhere that they swim. If somebody, and that's why like some of this, like so-and-so is moving to this program to train. And, and there's a lot of know-it-alls on the internet that say like, oh, that must be something really bad about a certain coach or, oh, that coach must not be very good if they left a coach to go somewhere. Maybe they just want to change the scenery. Maybe it's a lot more up here than it is physically in the water between the lane lines. And I think that's the biggest thing I took from Durden is that you got to manage your athletes. You have to manage your elite level swimmers. Um, you have to really take care of them emotionally more than anything. Cause I think a lot of people think it's easy to be, Oh, and I, I get so upset when I hear people say, Oh, life must be so easy. You're so fast. It's like, dude, I've seen a lot of tears, a lot of anxiety, a lot of insecurities from a lot of men and women who are at an un incredibly high level that, Oh, it must be so easy to be that fast. Actually, I think it, it's harder when you get to that level because I'll put it this way. When Grant House has a bad swim, he's going to get an, he might get an article written, written about him on a website. Yeah. If, if Matt Martinez has a bad swim, nobody's going to know that I had a bad swim because I wasn't very good. So I think it's important for people to remember that. Like they're people too. Like these very, I mean, your Hugos, your Destins, your Leons, your Grant. I mean, it's that, you know, Johnny, my man, Johnny Kulo. Like it's, they have feelings. They, they, and I think that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest takeaway. Yeah. I mean, sure. There's a lot of, there's a lot of great swimming stuff and the X's nose are fun and learning the way to different ways to write workouts from Durden and Marsh and Chase. But I think that the, managing the athletes and managing the mentality is, is way more important than whatever you do between the lane lines. Yeah. I think between the ears is ultimately what, uh, what allows the swimmer and the athlete and the coach to, to drive what happens between the lane lines. Um, I think that's very eloquently said. I, I, I resonate a lot with that um, in my career and my life as well, too. Um, you know, coming from a family of ultimately my family being my coaches until I was 14 years old um, and then going into a program that felt like a brotherhood. That was the biggest thing. You know, you talked about Brophy. Um, some people just call Brophy the St. X of the, of the West, um, <laughs> St. Xavier, uh, where I went to high school. 
um, from Dynasty. And uh, it's just a really unique aspect to have that. I believe it would be intrapersonal or interpersonal um, connectiveness um, with the coach and the athlete. I really respond to that. Some people don't. And that's that's that. And that's just kind of how you have to take it face value. Um, but I really think that there's a lot that can be gained, like the intangible aspect mm-hmm. of, of that that dynamic between the coach and the athlete. And and really, like, I I mean, I've been told I'm, I'm 25 at this point. Um, I at the recording of this podcast, um, I <laughs> Why, when, I, when's your birthday? June 19th. Oh, OK, so you, right. Yeah. And um, and I've been I mean, I've been in the sport all, like a decade and a half at this point, like starting when I was eight competitively. Um, and I mean, someone told me the other day, they're like, Grant, you don't need to do like, you need to work hard. Obviously that's like kind of in my DNA at this point, there, there's not another, they're saying there's not another hard set that you is going to make or break everything. Yeah. Like you need to just stay healthy, stay disciplined and maintain like your mental and spiritual well being. And I just like really felt that more than ever before. And cause I've seen some of the best athletes in the world at ASU and some days they don't even finish the workout. Some days they don't even lift that week because they just have no energy, like, and in my career too. But what they do in those moments is they're protecting and they're kind of fostering and, and growing and saving their their spirit, their mind, their well-being for something that ultimately is going to matter more later when they need it to be at the peak of okay. another performance. And that's something that I think I've really put to the side a lot of the time. Uh, especially since I've been like 15 to 20 in college where, you know, my, my family isn't my immediate coach. So it's not like, Oh, like how's Grant doing today? Like I'll see him at home for the next 12 hours. Like I know. And it's just kind of my understanding and sounds again, like you said, being on Kauai, like how privileged that is. It sounds like a privileged spot from my perspective, but really learning that like every coach connection isn't that, that, intimate or that 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 related or that intertwined like sometimes it's coach shows up at the pool deck swimmer shows up at the pool deck and then you leave and that's really what it what it equates to sometimes but i think there's a lot of intangible aspect like you got to and 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 getting kind of that background i think we have a good idea now but what would you say is your coaching philosophy that you go forward with no matter where you're where you're at really or how where you where your base comes from yeah i mean i'd say like athlete first mentality. I mean, like I know like swimming is a team sport in the, especially the NCAA, you have to find ways to make an individual sport, a team sport, but kind of piggybacking off of what I learned at Cal is just an athlete first mentality and finding ways to make that specific athlete successful. And whether it be successful in life, successful in the pool in the classroom, whatever that is, it's just, finding ways to allow that person to put that person in position to be successful. And I, I always told, I, I said this to the first group I ever had control of um, at Binghamton. I coached the distance swimmers and I told them the first day um, I am not, I was the new assistant and I came from being a volunteer to power five. And some of the kids were like, Oh, we're going to, we're definitely going to get faster this year. And I, I told them like, Whoa, I'm not guaranteeing anybody drops time this year. I'm not guaranteeing anybody. I'm not promising anything of, of your speed, of your, the level you'll be at. I said, I told them what I will promise is that I will work my butt off to put you in position 
to achieve whatever goals you want to within reason. I mean, if some kid who, you know, really is not at the level of talent says, I want to make an Olympic team in the 200 breaststroke. And it's like, well, your knees screwed up, your hips screwed up. That's a great dream, but let's, let's focus on other goals. So within reason, but yeah, I always tell the I told the kids of this at Wisconsin. I, I've told guys this at Cal. Um, I, I will never promise anybody's going to go best time or improve or whatever, but I will, I will at least promise that I'm going to work really hard to help you get whatever goals you want to do. And I think it's important. So I think it's kind of putting it on them as well. And just rather than like, I, I learned this a while ago, it's is using the phrase, I work with these athletes instead of these are my athletes. I want, and that's why I like coaching in college more probably because I think there is more of a partnership with collegiate athletes because they are adults. And I, it, like for you, you're a professional athlete now. Like if I, I mean, Herbie and you have a career partnership and rather than just you do this, you do this, you do this. Cause you know, if you're a pro or even a college athlete, but if you're a pro specifically, if you don't like what a coach is telling you to do and stuff starts not working, you can be like, peace, dude, I'm going to go train a different program. Like that happens. And and so I think you have to work with your athletes and find things that is going to make them successful rather than coaching with an iron fist. Um, you know, I, cause I wrote down some of these things like trying to fit, uh, yeah, I have to say this one, trying to fit my own coaching style to the athlete rather than forcing an athlete to fit into my style. I'm not the best coach for everybody. Um, I, I would think I'm probably the best coach for some people. I, I think there's, there's an athlete for every coach and there's a coach for every athlete out there. But um, I want to, I, I like asking the athletes I work with, does this work for you? Is this something you feel like works? Is this going to work? No. Okay. We'll throw it away. We'll not do, we won't do that again. Uh, because at this age, the college age, like they generally know what works. They got, they got to swim at a power five or at least a division one level because they're good enough to make it to that level. They did something correctly. So I think it's just finding a way for their, finding my style to fit their talent and, and their drive and their career. Yeah. I mean, I might, I'll, I'll be full bias probably, but I, I love that. I mean, that's, that's, I think why Herbie and I connect so well um, because there will be those discussions. And I, I think that's incredibly intuitive too, to ask the athlete, whether it's a pro or college, like, is this working? How can we like asking them, like they're the ones going through it. Like, yeah. One of the things I think is hilarious, but also super cool is like Bob and Herbie, like we see them getting in Logan, we see them like go to swim and then Herbie. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then like Herbie will do like his own workouts sometimes and like he'll swim and like, he's like, Oh yeah, I did this workout like on different, like less reps or more interval, like whatever it is. He's like, but I did this like on Wednesday and it's like, Oh wow. He's like, he has an idea. He's going through it with us. And there's that like empathy and that connection. And I just think that's so underrated now and kind of yeah. lost in the, in the lost in the sauce, if you may have like all the data and analytics of like, Oh no, this should work. Like it works. But like the thing that not a lot of people will remember is in exercise physiology, there are literally people that are responders and non-responders. Mm -hmm. And that's where the individual aspects come into play. Um, and so I, I was going to save this kind of this plug for like later, but you mentioned it earlier. Now the Trev dog's gone. I can't, definitively oh, man. overall but trevor you're listening you're gonna be on the podcast soon i guarantee yeah. that <laughs> um, my man but 
if you're a recruit like looking for coaches like Matt Martinez, Yuri, I cannot say enough great things about both of them. I've only had I've had much more experience with Matt. Um, recruiting process with Yuri actually. Um, he was the only person I talked to during my time getting recruited by Cal. Oh, he um, recruited you to Cal? I think yeah. maybe we I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. And um, he was the main guy. I talked with both of him and Dave at 2016 trials, but that was just a blackout situation for me. That was not the not the time or place where I wanted to talk to anyone, but so be it. Part of the history lesson, part of the growth. Yeah. But I cannot say good, enough good things about them. So the second best school that if you're a recruit to go to after ASU uh, <laughs> definitely is with the Wisconsin Badgers in my mind. I appreciate it. Appreciate um, it, bud. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will I will say that uh, several times over. And, and again, like talking to Trevor, great opportunity for him. I think I, I told someone yesterday, I was like, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who get a lot faster now that Trevor's at Louisville um, that he gets to. He's a great coach, him. man. Trevor's yeah. an awesome guy. I mean, great guy. Firstly, but and I wouldn't be where I am right now without Trevor. Man. Trevor's awesome, and I mean, I, it's all we. I, I actually met Trevor when I was a GA at St. Louis University, and I was I don't know my first or second year there, and I see this kid, like literally, it was like nineteen or I think I don't even yeah, it may have been eighteen, and in a suit. I'm thinking, oh, this guy's kind of like me. Maybe he's their GA. And I just introduced myself. He's wearing a suit at the Atlantic 10 championships and he's with St. Bonaventure. And I introduced myself. I love networking when appropriate it meets. And um, I just introduced myself and he told me who he was, said that he had a, um, I think it was a back injury that cut his career short. He's a good swimmer, but uh, ended up having his career cut short. And his coach asked him if he just wanted to keep being involved and stay in the sport. And so he said, yes. And that's where Trevor's career started. So um, we ended up meeting each other again in the fitness room, of course, uh, in the fitness room of the graduate hotel in Minneapolis. And anybody wow. that swam at, yeah, anybody that's been to that NC's there or swam at Minnesota knows um, the most convenient hotel in swimming history to a venue with the exception of the Hilton that has the bridge across from uh, the Omaha oh. it was, was, yeah, it was the quest center. And I don't yeah. know what it is now. Yeah. yeah. But um, we met there and Chase Kreitler actually reintroduced us. I think I was on the treadmill and Trevor was on a bike or lifting or something. And um, Chase is like, yeah, you guys should definitely know each other. You guys love lifting weights. <laughs> and so, and Chase is like, yeah, Matt loves like doing a lot of bench and squats and stuff. And you guys should definitely be friends. So, I turned to uh, just start talking with Trevor and we realized that we had known each other, but like five years prior. And then of course, Trevor did his whole path of going a few years of Bonaventure, volunteering in Indiana, then uh, I think four or five years of Wisconsin and then now at Louisville. So I'm really proud of my guy, man. I just, I'm so happy for him and uh, we're, we're, we're stoked for him. Heck yeah. Swim bros, big fan of Trev and uh, all the best to him there. And yeah, uh, man. He's now out of the Big Ten, but I want to stay in the Big Ten for kind of my my last my last couple of questions before we get into our our staple segments. Mm -hmm. um, but the Big Ten, obviously, we've had a lot of change. The Pac-12 uh, essentially folding, and a lot of people jumping ship to join the other conferences. Uh, we're we're looking at the Big 18. Is is the Big 18 <laughs> too big now, Matt? Like what what's going on? I, I feel like it's just going to form into two mega conferences eventually. And yes, it's for the money. Money does yeah. talk. Revenue shares, <laughs> right deals. But it's uh, is it getting too crowded over there? 
No, we only added one men's swim team. Oh. <laughs> no, it's great. We're we're finally gonna have. I think we'll have. Um, will we have ten teams and ten men's teams? I mean, yeah, definitely adding SC and uh, and UCLA uh, women, but um, no swim teams north of of Berkeley in in there. So um, Washington and Oregon only count for football and other things, but. Um, I mean, you want my opinion on it or? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's, I, I think it's, work. yeah, I think it's great. Um, I think it's, I mean, the tradition stuff really is a bummer. I mean, I grew up, I wouldn't say that the rivalry stuff was as, as intense on the West Coast. I mean, being around here and just the, the Wisconsin, Minnesota and Wisconsin, Iowa rivalries. I mean, Michigan, Ohio State is, is I mean, if it's not Duke, UNC, that might be the best rivalry in college sports. Um, so at least, like, it does it does kind of suck because I I grew up like USC UCLA or SC would come up and play. I mean, I I saw Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, Lendale White play against Aaron Rodgers, Marshawn Lynch, Deshaun Jackson. Like, it it was the best, and and it is a bummer because that's part of what makes college sports great, and is the tradition, the rivalries. Um, I mean, human beings, like we want to feel something. We like feeling something. And you can be a regular Joe working your nine to five finance job. And your one exciting thing a week is that you get to tune in on Saturdays and watch the Badgers kick somebody's butt because you're a Badger alum. Like that's the big thing. Like that's, that's great. And so I think it does take away a little bit of the, of the tradition, but college football is like 130 years old. In 130 years, who knows what the sport's going to look like? Who knows if there even will be a football? So it's, um, I think swimming, fortunately, I feel like because of all the money going to the Big Ten, all the money going to the SEC, I, I feel like swimming can only benefit. I, I see a lot of people thinking that swimming will not, but I feel like all the money coming in, it's only going to be a good thing for us. And I have to look at it from a swim coaching perspective because that is just the world I live in. But um and again, that's why I kicked it all off with saying only one men's swim team being added to the Big Ten. But um, yeah, I, I think you have to look at it as a positive. Um, and again, more money for us for for football and basketball means there will be more trickle down money for your swimming and other non revenue Olympic sports. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great insight. I think it's it's really neat to have that perspective of you know like I didn't even know that that there's only one one swimming men's program getting added to the big 10 yeah. didn't know that at all. That's pretty fascinating. Um, kind of crazy, but also then the perspective and the realization that there will be trickle down from these to the Olympic sports to where they're, they're there for a reason. Otherwise, if they're not going to be making some type of money off of them or marketability, they're not going to have them. Like these schools are smart. Like these, all these, all these changes in the conferences are all happening because of money and media rights and opportunities with that. And so to have that greater trickle down effect, um, I think will only only improve things uh, for Big Ten schools, for other schools as well, SEC schools too. Um, and it's exciting. It's exciting for sure. And and within the Big Ten too, you have a fellow former Bear coach, Matt Bow, now yeah. at Michigan. Um, so one, how how I, I mean, I know when Matt came to came to Cal, I was like, that's mm -hmm. that's a problem. That's gonna be a problem, and that I don't you. have to deal with. Yeah, <laughs> that I don't want to have to deal with, and we had to deal with it. So 
so be it. But um, now he's at Michigan. So now that I'm done, so not as enjoyable, but um, at least I know that the guys at Cal um, don't have him there. And well, Josh, Josh will have him in a good spot. I know Josh. Will. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm so Josh. excited for Josh. Yeah. We're just giving a bunch of these teasers. We're going to have Chase on the pod. We're gonna oh, have let's go, man. Have I'm a boys. Yeah. All, <laughs> yeah. All the guys. Love it. So, love it. Yeah. All the, the webs connect, folks. Webs love connect. it. Um, but yeah, how fast do you think Michigan will rise? And as a, as a more established program and getting more established, I feel like, um, in my perspective, Wisconsin, how do you guys view that? Um, is that intimidating? Is it, is it elevating? Um, how, how do you view that? Well, in, in the words, uh, well, first of all, I, and I, any viewers watching this, uh, Grant has been on that for as soon as I got to Wisconsin and Grant has been hyping up Wisconsin as a rising program. So it's, that's, that's real. Like I appreciate it. Um, well, I'll, I'll use the words of, um, my man, Aaron Bell, who is, uh, now in, I think is associate coach or associate head coach in Michigan. Um, great hire by Matt. Um, but Aaron, when we were, when I was working with him and the, the staff at Notre Dame, um, we were recruiting and there'd be kids that would choose like a more, because there Notre Dame was like a top 25, top 20 program, but they weren't at the level of like these other schools that were top 10, top five. And they were trying to establish themselves, just similar to what we're doing at, at Wisconsin right now, establishing on the rise, a lot of hype around the program, which is great. But Aaron, there's something that recruits do where they would um, they would say, like you give an offer and a kid will say something like, um, I'm going to wait. I, I need to wait and see what X school offers. Wow. And what I learned is never, never the bridesmaid, always the bride. And that happens is like, no, we don't. So when you ask me like how, how good I think mission is going to be or Michigan will be and with their new staff and everything, like I'm so happy for Matt and Brian and uh, Aaron, Gunner, Priscilla, but um, we want, it's only good for the big 10. The same thing with adding all those other schools uh, from the, from the West coast is the better the big 10 is overall, the easiest it's going to be for everybody to be fast and everybody to recruit. And, and we want the big 10 to be, one of, if not the best conferences in all of college swimming. Um, it's, it's, it's the goal you have. You want people to be good around you. Like at, at Cal, like they, they would talk about like ASU recently or Texas the last 15 years uh, between the, those two schools. And it's that, you can call it hatred, rivalry, whatever, but it's, it's respect. Cause it's like, okay, like you guys are actually competitive. And so it's like, when the dust settles, it's like shake hands, all good. We're good. And, and so, um, yeah, easy for me to say when I was fortunate to come out on top, but we want Michigan to be good. We want Ohio state to stay good. We want Indiana to stay good. We want all the other schools in the big 10 to be even better. And so I think it can only be good. I knew as soon as Matt got that job, I'm like, hell yeah. Good for him. Good for that program. Um, let's ride, like, let's go, let's be competitive. So I, I just, I never want the, the narrative and, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to speak for a whole program, but I never want the narrative to be, um, Oh, like, thank God a certain program is not doing very well. You want everybody to do well. I, like I always say this thing, and I think I've told you this grant. I mean, we, I've been a competitive coach against you and your team. I don't want 
anybody to swim slow. I just want the swimmers I coach to swim faster. I want everybody to break the world record. I just want the person that I coach to be first. Simple. Simple. Don't overthink it. (laughs) Yeah, easy. I love that. I think it it goes to the adage. um, I think this is the quote spot on. Hopefully I don't butcher it. Uh, High tides raise all ships. Yeah. Um, And I think that's the case. You know, like the guy's a cow. Gabe Jed and I talk about it all the time. Like Reese and I I will always uh, talk about it as well, too. Like when you guys swim faster, we're going to swim faster and it's going to want to make us swim faster. And so when we go to NCAAs, then we're already a sharper sword to swing there and compared to comparison to the rest of the country and i think if you do have that microcosm with you know i mean ultimately it's been cal and asu like some stanford sprinkled in there but like mainly cal and asu the last two and a half three years especially and you have that you see the two most dominant and prominent teams in the ncaa cal and asu and then you take another entity like the big 10 now with michigan wisconsin now it's four teams then you just keep adding this and you, you just keep refining that that tip of the spear that that point that we ultimately all meet at um or the few that are good enough can well, I'll, give, I'll give kudos to ohio state and indiana too because it, like i feel like some someone's gonna some bulletin board kid on another team is gonna be like oh grant house said that uh didn't mention the two other teams that finished ahead of michigan and wisconsin good. it's like jesus come on like let's what other it's like the bulletin board material material people need but but no, I agree. Like everybody, like we want, like really excited for um, for Rachel at Northwestern. Like that's awesome. They're only going to get better. Um, Alex at Purdue, like uh, you know the way that that uh, Minnesota restructured their staff. We want the Big Ten to be really, really good overall. Um, that only helps everybody. Like you said, like high tides rates all ships. Yeah. No, I think that's like a. a- Definitely a great perspective to have, and definitely the Big Ten next five years, a, a very uh, enveloping force. Definitely re-rising, I'd say. It's been a little bit dormant for the last couple of years, um, just altruistically. Like you said, Indiana's been been definitely showing out and, and, and performing very well. Um, one of my favorite swimmers and friends in the NCAA circuit, B. Burns, especially championship mm-hmm. season Burns. Um, dude, just games. One of them at ASU, bad. Um, but I don't know him very well, but he, he seems like he's, he, he's just, the man that, that double that he does at big tens is incredible. It's so filthy. I love like, it. I see that. I'm like dog. Yeah. That's a, that's a bad dude right there. And what do bad dudes do, Matt? Bad, bad things. Bad things. Folks. <laughs> bad things. Um, before we wrap up this, that'd be a great segment to end on another bad dude, <laughs> um, but great fan of the show. Um, PFT commenter and his oh. best friend is actually a Wisconsin Badger fanatic. Tell the me. big cat? Big cat. Yeah. Yeah, Tell man. Tell about that, Matt. Um, well, yeah, I, I think you didn't, you didn't even know that when we were first, no. before we were recording. Um, so I, I have to find a way. I got to get in contact with big cat. Um, I got it. I, I, and I know like Anders Holm, he's a, um, Anders, he's a Wisconsin, yeah. ba- Anders is a uh, Wisconsin Badger alum. Like I think when, when our guy, uh, Jake Newmark won big tens and, one of the events that he wins big tens in 200 free 500 free um but, which is funny because jake is like you would never know that he is a no. uh that he's as good as he is i i joke to him sometimes i'll be jake when you're done with your swim career would you be very content to just like move into the mountains and open up a tattoo parlor at some some random town he's like uh-huh. you're pretty cool 
<laughs> he's awesome, man. He's great. He's a great guy. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to somehow get big cat, uh, big cat. If you're listening, we got to like, we, we got it. We got to We'll get him in a, uh, yeah, we got to get him on a, um, uh, in a badger speedo or a, a badger brief suit. I don't want to plug a, a company that doesn't sponsor us. Yeah. Um, no, no free ads. And, uh, but it could be a, a tier brief, a speedo brief, an arena brief, a rocket science sports brief, a blue 70 brief. Um, but yeah, it, it, that would be cool. And I, I think I asked you earlier today, like when you redrop that episode, um, I got to see it with, with PFT. Like that would be so oh, yeah. sick. Yeah. I'd love that. Um, I, uh, oh, I thought my dog might need to go to the bathroom, but, um, yeah, I, um, yeah, Big Cat's a huge Badger fan. He's, I think, from the Chicago area, but went to UW. Um, but yeah, I, I know that they're both. Well, PFT went to James Madison, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Big Cat's one of the biggest Badger sports supporters there is, and they run the most. Um, if if Grant, if you run the second most famous swimming or a sports podcast in the world, um, they're they're close first. Yeah. And so it just it would be cool to get Badger Swim and Dive shout outs on the biggest podcast sports podcast in the world. We might just have to have a round. This might be the precipice because when Big Cat hears this, he's gonna reach out. When PFT hears this, he's gonna reach out. And Anders, he's he and I track back. He after I my freshman year of high school, um, he I I won two events or something like that. And I think I was, I, I went like a 19-7 in the 50 freestyle. And I never went under 20 points until the, my senior year again after that. Disclaimer. Dude, LeBron James has never broken 20 points. Definitely hasn't. He definitely hasn't. Hate to see um, it. Uh, some some kind of love to see it, though. There you go. Um, but Anders, Anders tweeted at me. We had a little back and forth. So, nice. Hey. We'll, we'll get a little round table, Wisconsin round table. You God, that'd be yes, yes, that'd be awesome. That's oh, that'd happen. be amazing. Let's do it. it. Go Badgers, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, so to wrap up, we're gonna do our mm-hmm. normal segments. Our our listeners are familiar with this. We got our hot takes, our lane line ratings, which we've already kind of teased a little bit earlier, and then our segment brought to you by Kirk Cousins. Uh, you like that, so. I'm excited about this. I'm pumped right. up. Matt had the had the had the, the sheet ahead of time. He did the he did the legwork, folks. He prepped for the podcast a little bit. So, uh, Matt, let's start with some lane line ratings. Let's do it. What do you got first on the docket? Four by fifty relays in the Olympics. Yes. How many out of ten? I mean, I know my answer. For me. 11 out of 10. That would be insanity. That would be insanity. Let me see what else I got in here. Um, wow. that's I love that. I love that one. Suiting up for dual meets. Mm. I, are you gonna Am ask I me? asking you these? Like, I have some, but, like, is this a back I, I and forth? I, mean, I, I want to hear your ratings of these these topics. Oh, okay. Uh, that's, well, I threw that one out there. Uh, I'll say 5 out of 10. Sounds 10 like out of 10 if both teams are into it. Zero out of 10 if only one team is into it. But what if the other team brought the suits, they just didn't put them on, Matt? I, I don't know oh. anybody that does that. I, I've never been. I personally, I've never been currently involved with a staff that, um, or a program that does that. So I don't know what, hmm. I don't know what you're referring to. 
Um, but that would, but that'd be, that would be crazy if, if that happened. Uh, I've never heard of that happening, but it would be crazy if it did. Weird, weird. Athletes say some crazy things. And I guess athletes say some crazy things. They do. Um, I would rate that if, if, if any team did it. Um, cause I think dual meets need to be taken more seriously throughout the year. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think they should be suiting up for darn near every, every meet, but <laughs> also swimming different events. I think athletes should be swimming different events, um, and at a higher caliber throughout the year. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I, I talked to you and this isn't really like a, well, I'll automatically give this a lane line 10 out of 10, but I do, I said to you pre-recording, um, Herbie and I have talk, been talking about this for years. I know Trevor's into it. Uh, more coaches should be. Um, do a, do a mid-season dual meet tournament. Make dual meets matter. Dual mm-hmm. meets need to matter because it's yes. – and this is my, this is my soapbox I'll stand on. Let me, let, yeah, let me, let me go off. Um, there's something wrong with our sport that you can go – the opposite of undefeated is defeated. Unwinning unwinning you can you can lose hypothetically every single dual meet and still win a conference and national championship um under the way i mean i've been i was i mean like at cal we lost the fastest dual meet of all time against stanford both teams suited was fast as heck at at avery and stanford it was an incredible meet um it, it, i think it is it or at least depth wise uh, with both teams swimming fast the fastest dual meet of all time and but we lost and then we won Pac-12s and won NCAAs. So there has to be a way to make dual meets actually matter, or we are going to go down a path where a team just says, screw this, like, we're not being competitive at all to prove a point. Somebody is going to do it someday that they just prove a point. They're like, we're going to go brief. We're going to go just drag suits. We're not going to wear caps. Like, somebody's going to do it. Some punk coach out there is going to say, and, and I don't know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying words like it could be anybody, but there, I, there aren't many sports that you can not win at all, hypothetically, and still win a national championship or a world series or a super bowl or et cetera. So I feel like there needs to be something done. I I had this fun idea over the years. I am, this is so far above my pay grade or my level of experience, but I think it'd be right now. (laughs) Yeah. It'd be really cool if, um, we had like a dual meet tournament, like a mid-season dual meet tournament. Every college team goes to a mid-season meet already. So why not instead of your regular scheduled dual meet where you go to like, you know, Texas invite, Minnesota invite, Greensboro, NC State, you know, whatever, all these different meets, you have the top 24 teams that at NCAAs the previous year, I guess I'd say top 25, but you want to even number, um, go down to Fort Lauderdale, the Hall of Fame pool, go to... IUPUI, go to Madison, Wisconsin at the nicest facility in the Big Ten at Soderholm Aquatic Center. Go somewhere and have a dual meet tournament. Do it like double elimination, have a loser's bracket because something that coaches talk about is like, well, administratively, like I can't just bring my A kids. This is a midseason dual meet. Like I need our non-conference scorers to get chances to swim. We need not just our A heats, our B heats, our C heats. You can do that because everybody will swim the same amount of meets. It'll be like one of these AAU basketball tournaments that you'll get. Even if you win the championship, you're still, you're going to do like six dual meets, but if you, or however, but if you lose, if you lose every single meet, you're still going to swim in like four or five meets. I don't see what's wrong with that and put it in 
early December, do go to that meet instead of your regular midseason invite. You'll still get good data on your swimmers if you're a coach that's say you're focusing on putting someone on an Olympic team. Say you're focusing on putting someone on a world championship team. You can still make that work within your plan. You just will have a little bit more racing within that. And I know like there'll be people like that uh, that'll never work. Well, with that attitude, like yeah. with that attitude, you're not gonna have a a pre-day to do the 800 free relay and the 200 medley relay on day one of NCs. Because I remember years ago, people were like, well, you can't add another day. Well, you add another day. I remember yeah. asking my, old, my former boss at uh, Jim Halliburton at St. Louis University, shout out Jim. Um, and I asked Jim, like, because I think it was set to start like the next year after I asked him, it got announced. And I said, Jim, why did this take so long to get the 800 free relay out of the middle of the darn meet when everybody's exhausted and something like you, Grant, would be some of your third 200 free. I mean, we're, have you it's been brutal. in the NCAA? I, I've done it a couple times. I, I yeah. did it midseason twice. Um, I don't know if I ever, I did the four. Well, I didn't do four for under freestyles, but I did that format. I did three. Yeah. Um, but I've done it, the 800 lineup, like old school NCAA lineup. Yeah. And that is, that is brutal. I actually had one of my best 200 freestyles on the third one, which doesn't really bode well for my. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't help the argument. Argument. <laughs> it was it was exhausting. I mean, I touched yeah. the wall and I was like, I questioning existence right now. I mean, there's what did Texas go this year? Like six oh three. I don't know. I kind of blacked out at the race. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, you were in it. Yeah. Yeah. You would know. You would have a get a good front row seat. Yeah. Um, but I. I think when I first got into college in 2009, Texas, my senior high school had broken the record and went like 610. So the right, that, there's a reason why the record has dropped seven seconds in the last 10 years or X amount of years. And so and my, my point is, if you can make a change like that, you can make a change like the one I'm referring to. So it just would take a lot of people being into it. It would take a lot of people making compromises, but that's how we have to work. We, we live in a society. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that hot take. I, I'd yeah. rate that as well. 10 out of 10. I yeah. think it needs to be taken more seriously. Um, my lane line rating would be much less, uh, much less important. Um, way more riveting to hear Matt's. Um, <laughs> just Boba T. I'm a texture guy. I don't like it at all. Um, I see where we're going. Yeah. I'm going to give it like 3.7 out of 10. Um, not a fan with that. But the hot take actually kind of lines up with what I had is I think swimming needs to have a like conference all-star all-star meet uh, at midseason. Um, I oh, think versus because the ACC and the Big Ten did that a few years ago. Yeah. And I think that was it was like I think with pros um, or like USA swimming. That may have. Yeah. Um, but I thought, you know, it was an interesting dynamic. I thought there was more it could have done with it. Um, but kind of like going on to your, I like your idea a lot better than that as well. But I think there needs to be some emphasis just besides NCAA that incorporates this high caliber situation, high caliber um, event and environment rather than just everyone being at these own different, these own different like midseason invites. And I think swimming yeah. can uh, amplify its platform by doing something that, that you brought up. And so I think it needs to be putting, you know, putting more of an emphasis on dual meets, but also those, those mid seasons, we, we put a huge emphasis on it at ASU. Um, and we've seen a lot of success from that. Um, but I, I think it's, it's different when, you know, like, like you said, like if, if there's a team that ever does this, and I really have to commend 
Wyatt and Wyatt Collins and and Carson Foster at Texas because I'm really close with Carson and from what it sounds like him and Wyatt have really pushed forward the Texas initiative to you know race faster more often mm-hmm. and before I mean when you said like yeah there's gonna be a team that loses every meet I don't know if they lost meets but they certainly were not swimming fast times throughout the year in every dual meet and there's in briefs and um I think that's just a testament at the end of the year, they'd, they'd win national titles or they'd be in contention for it. Number one, number two, number three, whatever it was like, they'd be rolling people at NCAAs and they just basically fall out of bed for all their dual meets. Cause it would be against, I mean, their conference was like four teams deep. So <laughs> it, it's yeah. just like, they could just do that. And at the end of the season, they knew they'd perform. So it was like, why should we care? But we need to care. Cause it's just going to keep raising that elevation and, and level of competitiveness. Well, it's finding ways that aren't dumb to make the sport more exciting. Like I've heard a lot of people say like, do underwater races, do kickboard races. And it's like, that's not real swimming, but what you can do, like something that, um, I think I brought up to David Johnston. Um, I think one thing would be cool. So in our sport, people love talking about workouts. People love talking about whether you're a drop dead sprinter or a, I need to do 10,000 a workout distance number and anybody in between people love talking. Oh, did you hear that? This person did this. Did you hear that? Oh, hear what they average on 10, three hundreds on four minute best average. Did you hear what this guy did on three fifties fast from the blocks on 10 minutes? People love doing that, but people love it the most talking about distance swimming. I feel distance sets. It's just the craziest stuff. My hats. I could never do stuff like that. I remember when I swam for the Terrapins and, um, I remember getting in trouble because I skipped a workout. And so I had to train a morning workout instead of a sprint circuit. I did a, I did 10, four hundreds with the, uh, the distance kids. And, um, I was like 18 and Chelsea Schnolt was t- uh, like 13 or 14 kicking my butt all over the pool. And so like, we need more, uh, my, my point, my, my, uh, idea would be do a distance camp. But like, bring in swim, swam, bring in Brett Hawk, bring in like media people. The swim bros. That's understood. Oh, you, okay. I was like, yeah, I didn't. We'll, we'll be course. hosting the event. We'll be hosting the event. Yeah, there you go. And so, but do it where like it's a week long camp, and have all these guys and, and women um, doing just the most ridiculous sets, and have it like you know, David with Charlie Clark and Yeet Aslan here at Wisconsin or those, uh, those dogs at, at uh, NC State. Like, I don't know, like, say, say no, like, whatever. Like, it's not a real thing anyway. So, it, but there's nothing wrong with throwing ideas out there. But I feel like that'd be really cool. It's like, okay, guys, today we're going to warm up, do all of our set, and we're doing 10 300s all out on four minutes best average. Suit it up. And just stuff like that every day. And I think it'd be really cool. I think that a lot, like talking with David, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I do know that guy loves to train. I mean, guy's an incredible athlete. And I think that someone like him would love it. And I know that other people, other guys and women who like to train like that would probably have a good time with it. I, I just, we, we got to go away, get away from this fear of showing people our cards and, Yes. losing to people in a workout or losing people to me like it can only help our sport if we all get together and do stuff like that like a national team training camp can't be the only time that you get these very very high level people all getting together 
we got to do more often. I mean, you look at the the Aussies were. The, I don't know. I wasn't involved, but the Aussies did a relay camp first. That's all I'll say about that. So I, I do think that um, like a distance camp idea, but but televise it, stream it, like do stuff that's yeah. going to make it exciting. People would would watch that. If anybody who's probably around my age, like you probably don't remember the original flow swimming. I know, oh, I know, yeah, I like that's what Garrett. he worked with them. Yeah, so it's it's that was like the glory, to, in my opinion, the glory days of swim media, where it just like is when YouTube was just starting, and you could never, you would just hear about fast swims. Like I, growing up in Northern California, I'm like, man, there's this guy from Tucson in my grade in the high school class of 2009, Herbie Behem. That just went 19 in the 50 free as a high school kid. Like, who is this guy? But you wouldn't be able to see it because it was never, there were no high school meets that were televised or streamed. And then you like the next, so you'd hear about Jimmy Fagan going, breaking the national high school record in the, in the 50 free. You'd hear about it. And then like the next week you'd get a flow swimming video of it. And so I, I think that'd be cool. Like I, I know that um, swim swim does a great job with their like, practicing pancakes and like they came to us it was great but um i just think that that idea would be a lot of fun like a distance camp where people are just challenging each other you know it's easy for me to say when i'm not the one swimming ten thousand yards or whatever it is but i i do think it'd be good for the sport yeah i think on a more systemic level like once you see people whoever isn't or is invited to that think about the people who see that and then how much perspective changes of like the ceiling and the floor both raising. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that would just change everyone's perspective and really reorient what's possible and what people think they need to do. And it's not a one size fits all, but I think you'd see a lot of times where people are like, wow, didn't even know that could happen in a workout or two. I didn't even know, like, this is the standard. This is the standard of excellence. So I think that's great. I love it. I look yeah. forward to hosting the event. Eventually I'll have David Johnson on the podcast and yeah, we'll talk, my man. We'll talk, Good we'll dude. Logistics. Oh, great dude. She's out in uh, Mission, Mission Viejo right now. Yeah, with Mark, um, yeah. Yeah, with the swim team. Um, Will Glenn. <laughs> the swim team. Yeah, literally that's the club team name. Um, Reach for that one. But Godspeed <laughs> to him, DJ. Hope you're doing well right now. And uh, yeah. And so our last our last topic will be- You like that. You like that. You like that. you like that actually i scrapped what i was gonna have came from a call with uh my father on the way on the way to the podcast from uh today and uh he told me that he was at a job interview he's six i believe he's 66 years old still going to job interviews still doing a job interview got the job offer at at the interview and then told me that he was thinking about getting back into swim coaching as well too love it like dad this is this is awesome like he already has a constant job he does too he swims a mile every day that's awesome whenever that's he goes sick. to the pool swims a mile and uh i was just like i just called him because i was just coming from the kia dealership i was like yeah oil change tie rotation we're all good and uh he just boom 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 just has these things so my you like that is is to see like my dad uh, just continuing to pursue passion and and to pursue different things um, you know, at that later stage in life, like he's not 25, 
Uh, I'm not going to put a limit on like age of when you can and can't do things. Cause I think you should always be active. Um, but that was just really like motivational, inspiring to, to hear that today. I, I was just smiling the whole time when he said that. So that's uh that's my wholesome. You like that today, Matt, yeah. what, do you, what do you got for me? You know, I, um, you made me think of something better. Um, I actually like this a lot more. If we're on the topic of dads, we just love our dad, love our dads. Um, shout out John Martinez. Yeah. There we go. So the guy, the guy built everything for my family and, and doesn't even have a college degree and just grinded. So yeah, yeah. I was the first person in my family to, to get a degree of any kind and Dang. then got a master's degree. Um, but, um, so my dad was a, um, uh, worked in like it recruiting for a long time. So I guess that's where I get my passion for recruiting, but instead of recruiting it security professionals, uh, I, I recruit very fast high school boys. Uh, yeah. but, yeah. but, uh, yeah, but, um, but my dad always loved art and I never really actually saw him as an artist. Like I never saw that side of him, uh, growing up. Um, he just, grind away in his job never really was doodle like i'd see him doodle around sometimes i'm like wow i didn't know you had any skills doing that well when uh so i, I mentioned we recently got back from Kauai. well what we did on our on our vacation uh, after irvine juniors and pro series uh my fiance sarah and i we flew back to the bay area we flew back to my uh my childhood home in walnut creek and my my, my parents you know, whenever you move out, I mean, I'm 33. So you know, it's my room has been long converted into whatever space they need it to be. But they converted, we, we were staying in the guest, what became the guest bedroom. And my dad had a art, mini art studio set up. And it was like, every pen and pencil, color pencil, art stuff you can imagine, different types of paper to draw on. And then we look in there and there's just like, dozens and dozens like probably a hundred different art things he's he i mean they took a he basically draw or drew wherever my parents had gone on vacation because my mom's a travel agent now and he drew uh kangaroos and and Oluru in in australia he drew uh the eiffel tower he drew the sydney harbor bridge he drew you know just the, the golden gate bridge and you know he's no he's no michelangelo but the guy's got some skills and it was really cool to see that it made me really happy and it's you grow up your whole life and, and your parents are your, your superheroes and, and your heroes, but you don't get to see a lot of, it's not often, at least for me, I got to see a lot of um, outside of work and general stuff, passions. Like my dad was a baseball guy, passionate about baseball. He coached, um, helped coach Maramani High School for a few years when I was in high school, baseball team out there. Um, and... Uh, I just never saw that side of him. So when we go home, we spent like two days in the Bay area before flying to Hawaii. And I saw all that art set up and my fiance and I, Sarah and I were just like, this is so cool. Like, this is awesome. So it just, that's you know, a very wholesome kind of like, just going to get me emotional, but it, it, it was great. Yeah. It, it was cool to see that. So that's, that's my, uh, my, you like that just dads following yeah. their passions. Look at that buddy. Like handshake Dude. through the, Handshake through the, the computer. Um, that's awesome. I, I yeah. love that. Like finding like your dad's a uh, hidden passion for your dad. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so yeah, cool. And I, yeah, and I knew that he like, did that. Going through that. Going yeah, through that. yeah. And I knew that he, he, he liked to do that. My grandma, when, when she was still around, uh, would uh, uh, 
uh, would mention that, but I never saw that side of him really. So it was, it was very, very cool. That's awesome. And uh, what was the what was the school that you said your dad did baseball coaching for? Uh, it's called Maramani High School. So great That's water polo program. Kirk Everest, actually the head coach at Cal Water Polo that recruited you. Uh, he played there. And then he played polo at Cal and won national titles as a coach and a player. This is wild. My, my, my dad went to a high school called Marymont. Marymont. So, like, it sounds like Look you're – like yeah, Dallas, like, man. Yeah. <laughs> Boys. The that, yeah, the school that Papa Martinez went to is just, like, a faster, like, sped-up version of Marymont. That's well, actually, uh, a cool um, – a cool fun fact about Marymount, great, great sports. Um, as is with the, um, like, like Sarah, my fiance, she went to, um, Camp Alindo high school where the club team of Rindo aquatics trains out of and Matt Biondi went there. Um, Kim Vandenberg, Sarah Tomas, who's important to me. Yes, of course. Um, but, uh, the, I think the most well-known athlete to ever come out of Marymount is either Sabrina Ionescu, like the best female basketball player in the world, or um, Ken Dorsey, who is the quarterback of the Miami Hurricanes, yep. the 2001 Miami Hurricanes, the greatest college football team of all time. <laughs> was that the same team that uh, that uh, played Notre Dame? The, it was like the Thugs versus oh, the, the Catholics versus convicts. Yeah. No, that was um, in their like run in the 80s. I think that specific game was probably. You know, viewers don't kill me for this. I, it was either like 89 and 92, one of those years, I think. Gotcha. Sports book. Yeah. Sports book. Yeah. Well, oh, I love what, it. That's me, man. What a wholesome what a wholesome way to end the show. I know, man. It's great. Uh, Matt, I'll have you stay on for a little bit after we after we end the recording here for the listeners. Yeah. But um, I appreciate you a lot. This is, uh, this is awesome. Lots of content here. Lots of uh, <laughs> action it. for the listeners to get engaged with. I love this. I hope everyone enjoyed it as much as I can um matt do you have any parting words for the listeners here today go badgers co badgers <laughs> yeah double badgers man. here double badgers here on the on the podcast and uh everyone thank you for tuning in hopefully this last uh trip to the pool trip back to the pool and maybe uh maybe a double session <laughs> who knows so uh but appreciate everyone listening uh, if you want to follow along uh if you want to look at what wisconsin badgers are doing Matt, where can they, where can they follow? Where are, are you on the IG? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to keep, I'm not one of those coaches that's going to do a, uh, you know, Wisconsin coach, Matt or something. I just, I, I have a life outside of coaching. It's very important to me, but I love my job and I love my passion. I love my school. Um, but it's just the real Matt Martinez. I made it when I was like 20 and it was when Instagram was new and uh, it's when celebrities were getting impersonators of them. And I was like, haha, that's funny. I'll do that. And then as the years went on, I'm like, I can't get rid of this. The real Matt Martinez. Even though when I was at, even though when I was at Arizona state there, any like look up in a college email thing of like, how many, I, I think there were like 11 other Matthew Martinez's there. So, but no, yeah, no the real Matt Martinez, follow Badger Swim and Dive on, on Instagram. Um, our whole coaching staff's on there on Instagram. Uh, and of course, special shout out to our new member of our staff, uh, Callie Bedroom. Really excited to get him on board. There we go. Awesome to hear. You heard the man. Hit the follow. Uh, follow your guys here at Swim Bros Podcast. Follow me at pretty much any social media thing, mitochondria underscore house. I still <laughs> can't believe that's a real thing, but we're rolling with it. 
Um, thank you everyone for listening and uh, don't forget to live life daily. Thanks. Ooh.